Will Justin Bieber's penis get its own record deal? Are you the Frank Skinner to my David Baddiel? Having kicked off last episode with a question from Holly, who was already excited about her trip to Disney World, which isn't happening for another five months. Don't peek too early, Holly. Uh, This episode, it's Steve who has a dilemma regarding his 2016 travel plans. Really? Guys, live for the moment, yeah? Why can't you have these dilemmas in 2016? Exactly. Uh, He says, my wife has booked a trip away for my birthday next year. Aww. Presumably you're invited as well, Steve. (laughs) (laughs) But, he says, she is not telling me where. A surprise trip. A surprise trip. High risk. I have no issue with her doing this, as I had done the same the previous year for her birthday. So either she enjoyed it so much she's replicating it, or revenge! (laughs) (laughs) She booked it whilst I was away, but using my computer. She cleared the history. I hope you did as well, Steve. Uh, (laughs) But... Uh, I am now getting a lot of adverts appearing on my Facebook for hotels in Krakow. Oh, fancy that. (laughs) That's very specific, isn't it? Uh, Bloody internet. How does it know? And also, why is it advertising my own sofa at me months after I bought it? (laughs) And so, says Steve, I am 99% sure it is Krakow to which we are going. Unless this is a very elaborate way to put you off the scent. Oh, that's smart, isn't it? Maybe this happened last year with her birthday surprise. Mm. So she knows that this is a possibility in her Facebook sidebar. And so she's using it to turn the tables. Although then surely you'd go for a joke destination that is horrible rather than (laughs) a nice one in Poland. So Helen answered me this, says, Steve... Do I pretend I don't know anything about this, uh, as she is enjoying me not knowing, or should I be honest and tell her that I've guessed the destination? Do you want to go there? Because if you don't, then you should tell her in the hopes that it would cause her to change the plan. If you're happy, I would just carry on with the situation. But I suppose he's worried that uh, when she's like, surprise, and he's like, yeah, (laughs) that he hasn't got the acting chops. Well... It's funny because I'm split on this because I think actually definitely he should not tell her. He should pretend, right? He should pretend that he's not guessed it, that he's not rumbled it, the computer hasn't told him because she's taking pleasure in in it being a surprise. But I'd probably tell my girlfriend. If she'd done this for me, I don't think Mm. I'd be able to hold it in. Unfortunately, I'm I'm not a good enough person to be able to play along with the lie. I'd have to tell her because I have to be a clever dick and be like, I know where it is because you didn't turn off the cookies on TripAdvisor and now it's on Facebook. You safe search woman, do you know nothing? Do you (laughs) ever look at pornography like I do? (laughs) But but I I think it would be better uh, to not tell her. But Steve also has to be careful if he does keep up the pretense not to go overboard by being like, oh my God! that's the issue like either not being enthusiastic enough or being too enthusiastic but the thing is whilst you're right that yes he doesn't want to be a bad liar at that point he could fess up at that point couldn't he at the point she says we're going to crack off here you go he could say yeah i did kind of guess but thanks so much it's great Uh, slightly you know pricking a pin Mm. into her balloon of hope and expectation Mm. at that point but not for the months preceding it she's enjoying it at the moment you're a good enough liar to pretend you don't you haven't seen a banner advertising car hire it it probably does behoove him to keep quiet because 
she gets to enjoy it and if she is misdirecting him then he'll still have a surprise at the end that's true yes and also it won't be your fault steve Mm. at the moment she's booking the holiday there may still be decisions left to make which might be why the cookies are selling ads at you she may not have hired the car yet she may not have chosen all the restaurants now you know if you're involved at this stage and you've worked out where it is then suddenly it'll become a communal decision and then if you go there and you know the travel lodge in krakow is not particularly nice that will be your fault as much as it is hers this way uh you get her to seemingly enjoy it even though you know the truth and you've known all along uh and then uh, when it turns out not to be very good she gets all the guilt yay perfect the best present <laughs> you've got a lovely surprise for our listeners ollie haven't you <laughs> uh i'm gonna be a dad shit yep uh, um, who's the lucky lady <laughs> katie hopkins oh, congrats. Uh, uh, yes no my girlfriend is due to give birth to my child mid-january 2016 congratulations thank you very much finally you've lost your virginity yeah exactly how was it, um, it was... <laughs> don't answer that and so there will be a man child it's a boy it's a boy it's going to be a boy he's a boy he's a boy he's a man boy um well i don't want to judge you know it's 21st century if he chooses to become a girl later Two that's ends. fine right um, currently currently a boy He's physically presenting as a boy. <laughs> Correct. What if your child doesn't like Disney? It's like, Dad, this is just overbranded corporate shit. That would kill me, actually. Yes. I suppose all you know is that you're going to be surprised. And as long as you're prepared for the unpreparable, then it's fine. That's quite good advice, actually. What most people have been saying to me is like, oh, your life's going to change. Oh, really? It's like, well, yeah. first there's going to be someone in the spare room. Yeah, exactly. I'm aware of that. Kat's going to be the one who's most furious. You know, well, she is actually. She's been banned from the spare room for uh, the last four months already. Really? Not happy about it. Training. Yeah, basically. And also there's going to be someone competing for your attention. Yeah, not for the cat food, though, I'm no, guessing. No, that's true. What if the baby learns to shit in her litter box? That would be brilliant for you. What if the cat learns to draw breast milk? I don't know. All of these are possibilities. <laughs> I think there are probably more steps in between uh, the cat and the breast milk <laughs> than the dog and the territory. <laughs> uh, but anyway, it's, it's terribly exciting. And, um, you know, I don't want to uh, be one of these people that now I'm going to become a dad relates uh, everything on the show back to this. Well, so I'm not, I don't want to linger is, on it. you but... don't know what love is until you're a parent. <laughs> exactly. So you two childless people recording with me, you don't know. You don't uh, have feelings. I'll try not to do that. And, yeah, good. Uh, and listeners, uh, you I'm know, firing you if you do. <laughs> listeners, thank you in advance for all of your congratulatory messages. And presents and money that you're sending in the post. Uh, well, uh, Becky from Snodland in Kent, Ollie, is also expecting a baby. Snodland. The land of snod. Becky says, I am 34 weeks pregnant with my first baby, a little girl. Oh, you have to steal my limelight, don't you? Becky says, my husband and I... Oh, you're married too, are you? Unlike me, I'm going to have a bastard child. Thanks. (laughs) Bastard man. Bastard man is a lovely name for a boy. Is it lovely though, Martin, is it? (laughs) My husband and I chose her name years before we even got married. Good Lord, how did that conversation come up? Like, second date. So what are we going to call our child? Well, actually... We've had playful conversations. They're not the same as the rip. Like, I bet you're not planning on having kids. I bet you've had conversations about what you might name a child, playfully. It's come up playfully for us, but now we're actually having the child's a completely different level of conversation. I bet. I bet. It's a big conversation. Yeah. And you didn't even get to name your cat because she came to you pre-named. You haven't had that starter naming process. That's right, yeah. So my husband and I chose her name years before we even got married, let alone actually began trying to conceive. However, since finding out the sex at 20 weeks and being asked if we have a name, we've received nothing but bad feedback about it. Don't tell anyone. Don't tell anyone. Why are you... So I know the name that we're thinking of for my son. Do you have a 
top five or just yes. one we've been using an app actually and we've been going through the list of so you can look at the top 500 names right in britain america and australia we've looked at okay you can also add in suggestions as you think of them right uh, so we now have on that app a list of 10 that we like okay and then you can prioritize them by drag and drop how yeah. 21st century is this very so, good so we have our top two that we're thinking of seriously and is it a shared app so that if you have a change of heart about what's going to be the third best name you can change it and it will update on your girlfriend's phone no mum has control of the app of course she does every suggestion goes through mum there are a few names that i'd have been keen on that haven't even made it onto the list all, all of the good jewish names <laughs> little smoolie <laughs> moisha i really wanted it <laughs> does go very well with man it does actually moisha, yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's a nice name that's the problem with man is you've got to think of anything that doesn't sound like a a shit superhero oh that's the pleasure uh, of things um, or be overly gendered because man obviously yeah. quite a strong signal for beefcake man might yeah. be a bit <laughs> exactly much. yeah no one calls their child spider or something do they mm. the problem is if it if it even rhymes with bat though then you think no 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 or Matt it, man for example or, <laughs> man. Yeah, yeah. that also rhymes with scat so you're thinking ski da, 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 boo. Yeah. well obviously Scatman was my first choice of name that, that <laughs> one never made it onto Scat. the app that's a good name anyway point is Becky don't tell anyone the names that's that's my view yes no I, I fully agree this happened to me as well uh, when my brother Andy's first child was born a daughter her name had she been a boy would have been Horace and I was like thank god she's not a boy that's, <laughs> that's a bad name two years later Horace was Horace born Horace came along yeah and, and still now they're like you've come around to it haven't you I haven't no but I should never have said you can never insult anyone's name in any way. She says, Some people have been really quite rude, including my own parents. The only people who seem keen on the name, apart from myself and my husband, are my in-laws. Anyway, do you want to know what Becky's name I suppose is? I better. Is this going to be incredibly outlandish? Her name will be Aoife. Oh, that's okay. That's just a yeah, it's pretty nice. A nice Irish name. Standard Irish name, yeah. It, which is spelled A-O-I-F-E. Yeah, well, I mean, that's the problem with it. If you're... Four out of five vowels if, in a short name. If you're giving birth to an Irish name child in a country outside of Ireland, you're going to have to expect that the natives are going to be like, that's spelt what now? Because yeah. it is pretty funky. But I think Aoife is easier than a lot of the ones where the consonants are... A very different pronunciation to what we're used to over here. See your pun. Name. Everyone has been saying it's needlessly fussy spelling and weird as we don't live in Ireland. I've also been told by multiple people I'm being cruel as no one will be able to spell or pronounce her name properly. That is the case now for like 80% of children in yeah. nursery. <laughs> exactly. And she will have to go through life correcting people. But also it's going through life telling people how to spell your name that's made you the pedant you are, isn't it, Helen? I hate saying my own name, actually. Really? Like, when I have to introduce myself on The I'm Illusionist... I'm talking about the Zaltzman, not the Helen. I hate saying the whole thing. Why? Be- because I... I probably because I'm sick of having to spell it every time. And even when I spell it out to people, they convert the Zs to an S. Yeah. It's what like is it? They- Annie Saltzeller. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I disagree that you're being particularly crueler than most other people. Well, and it's also, a nice name, Aoife. But also yeah, there are lots of right. names that are very common that have loads of different spellings. So if you're called something like Lindsay or Alistair or Kieran or even Ian, people will inevitably give you the wrong spelling just because there are several spellings of those perfectly normal names well ollie is is one such yes o double l y and everyone yeah. emails in with something else yeah that what's that about i get helen with two l's who has ever been called that i've mm. never in real life met anyone called helen with two l's nor have i nor have i not at helen club <laughs> becky explains this choice she says my husband's background is irish and we want our daughter to learn about her heritage and have a connection to it through her name Better name than potato. I never expected this type of feedback, says Becky, and now it's got me worried that I'm some sort of selfish, terrible mother. 
oh god this starts before the baby's even out yeah you, you've got hormones to come that will kick in and make you feel that way later you, you've got a lifetime of strangers making you feel shit about everything when they don't know anything anyway ollie answer me this in your opinion do you think we should keep our original choice spelling and all or should we change the spelling to something more phonetic? No, don't do that. What is, more, what is going to be more phonetic like than that, actually? E-E-F-A. But then that, no one's going to believe it. And they'll look like a football acronym. Yeah. Or should we change it entirely? No, no, I'd, no. I'd really what rather... to John? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but still, H, no H, yeah. double N. Yeah. Um, I'd really rather not change it entirely, as I feel we've bonded with her with this name already. All I will say is I think you are going to be told by other people, as Helen suggested a moment ago, about almost every aspect of bringing up this child when it comes. Uh, They're going to advise you whether you invite that advice or not. And some of that advice is going to be useful and some of it isn't. Most of it is going to be hurtful and annoying. Most of it, when you boil it down, is ignore everyone else's advice because I know and I'm right and do this. Yeah, even though I've just met you on the bus. (laughs) Exactly. Um, And when those people come along, you're going to have to contextualise that by first listening to your own heart, even though you might be listening to what they're saying too. And you have to have the confidence that you might be right on that. Yeah. You know, you wouldn't focus group your new sofa. So why are you focus grouping the name of your daughter? Absolutely. You are into it. You love it. Go with it. I think so. I think it's a nice name. I don't think there's any problem with it. I think also it's not that uncommon in Britain. No, No. I've met a couple of Aoife's in my life. Plenty. Yeah. The Irish names are not unknown here. Tell you what, though, uh, Ollie, I feel absolute confidence that you were going to nail your child's name. Oh, don't don't say that. I feel... I don't know why. I just feel like of all the decisions that you make, you're going to do a really good job with this one. Why? Based on I, what? I don't know, because I think most of your decisions are awful, of so course. So now you're going to have to pretend that it's a great name, even if you don't feel that way. St- what, just so that I'm right? Yeah. <laughs> I, I, think, I think there'll be something more important at stake here, even than me being right. Right. I got a question. Email your question. To answer me. This podcast at googlemail.com. And submit this podcast at googlemail.com And submit this podcast at googlemail.com Here's a question from Carly who says, Ollie, answer me this. What was the first iPhone app? Aside from the compulsory apps that come on our phones when we buy them. Yeah, I mean, those kind of things like mail and... Podcasts. Notes. Stocks. I have a folder I think most Apple users do. Yeah. Uh, I, I a fuck-off Android... folder. Yeah. I have an Android phone, but I have an iPad. And on my iPad, I have a folder which will be recognisable to most Apple users. I've called it Shit I Don't Need. Yep. Uh, and weather and stocks are both in there. Maps was there for a long time because mm. Google Maps was widely deemed to be better. Yes, uh, maps has redeemed itself in my eyes i've tried it a few times where it's been more accurate than google maps it came out my shit folder so i suppose in right. a way apple making it non-deletable has saved it in the end maybe one day we'll listen back and laugh at the day when we were not into the stocks app <laughs> <laughs> you can answer me this is publicly traded yeah <laughs> absolutely so anyway anyway those apps that you call so-called compulsory apps yeah those weren't really thought of as apps at all in 2007 when the iPhone was launched. Those were just kind of programs, I guess. Like, right. But I think an app is a program. An app is a program, it's an application, but I don't think the public knew the word apps at that point. No, well, public hadn't really had a go on an iPhone. Public just had to get used to the idea of, oh, so it's an iPod and a phone in one thing. Mm. That's it. Just that was revolutionary, genuinely, and the fact that they put Safari on it was extraordinary. So, uh, in 2008, which is when the App Store launched on the iPhone, mm. there were actually 500 apps 
at that launch date, which seems like a piddly amount now. There's, the, you know, millions, but 500. Yeah. So it's actually quite hard to answer the question, what was the first? Because there wasn't a first. There were 500 that were all submitted all at once to the general public. So I'm going to answer this question by saying that the first even though it wasn't really, but the first that got public attention out of those 500 apps that became available in 2008 was eBay. And the reason I'm saying that is because, you know, Apple do that whooping press conference where all the geeks get really excited and they cheer when people come on and show screen grabs. Well, now they don't. Now they're like, oh, this isn't revolutionising technology. Oh, rubbish. Where's Chris Martin? Where are my canapes? Um, That, at that thing, WWDC eBay was the one they demonstrated to show what an app would be. Steve Jobs came on and he was like, I'm God, here's a new shiny thing. We've created this new thing. It's called third-party apps. You're going to fucking cream yourself. Here's someone... Here's <laughs> someone directly. Yeah. Like, it's, the room. it's basically this. Uh, I'm a bit hot now because I'm wearing a turtleneck. Here's a guy from eBay. But I'm used to that because I live in California and I always wear a turtleneck. Um, here's a guy from eBay to show you what a third-party app on the App Store is going to look like. And the demo, the live demo they did at WDC in 2008 was of eBay. So although all 500 came online at once and there was things like Evernote was in there. Mm, um, wow. There were a couple of Sega games were in there. Uh, MySpace was in there. Um, the New York Times. Uh, so there were a couple of names that we know eBay was the one that they demonstrated and got press for. So I'm going to say eBay was the first. I don't know who actually technically submitted the first third-party app to Apple, but eBay was the one they first promoted. They probably reached out to developers, didn't they, to get that first 500 in place? Like with the watch. I mean, you'd be mad to design stuff for a watch that didn't exist yet. Mm. You'd have to wait for Apple to come to you and say, hey, guys, we really like your podcast. You should do an Answer Me This app for our Apple Watch. Hey, why didn't that happen? I, I can think of so many reasons I already. Of, yeah. I can't even choose. <laughs> when people are jogging. <laughs> what they need is motivation of looking at us and think, no, I will exercise. <laughs> Point is, Tetris and Snake, mm-hmm. th- those were basically apps. And we all had those 10 years before we knew what an app was. Mm. Yes, so, I had, I had a pedometer in my eco phone. Exactly, yeah. So what do you call an app? I mean, oh, actually, I've looking just, at it now, all of those were early apps. I've never been able to have a Samsung phone since uh, I got an upgrade in about 2005 and the phone came with a menstrual diary. I sent it back. <laughs> what was that? Was that? Did it have a funny name? Like a, it was like a, a Woody? It was like the Samsung's lady phone. So it was coarse oh. pink and the buttons were tiny for ladies' fingers. Wow. But it's interesting you mentioned that. There was a controversy recently because Apple didn't include menstrual cycle apps as part of its health package. Really? So actually people were saying the opposite. They were saying, why aren't you including uh, health apps that are the most relevant health thing to women as part of an essential tracking device? Yeah, yeah, but that's because now you expect your phone to know more than you do. So it knows your heart rate, so why doesn't it know about your ovaries? Yeah, whereas back then you had to remember all of your things and your phone would just make phone calls and do texts if Mm. you were lucky. Here's another question of tech from Simon in Bolton who says... You know that Tom off of MySpace? He was my first friend. Uh, uh, The guy who was everyone's first friend. I thought I was special! Helen answered me this. What is he up to these days? Uh, Does he have a Twitter or Facebook account? Yes. Do you think he made enough money from MySpace that he never needs to work again? Yes. Yes. He made $580 million. (laughs) Yes, I think that should cover it. That's all right. Uh, Or will he eventually need a proper job? Unless he has been very imprudent with his finances. He sort of invented Facebook before Facebook, didn't he? That's got to be worth something. Yeah, well... Uh, in answer to uh, your second question, Simon, uh, he has not only a Twitter account with 234,000 followers at time of recording and a Facebook page with 1.45 million followers. He also has 174,000 followers on Instagram and 6.5 million 
on Google Plus. Is he on He's... MySpace anymore? Is the big yes, question. Yes, he is. He is. Okay. But he hasn't posted since 2013. But he is MySpace Tom on all of the other oh, social networks oh, and he's still cool. using the same profile picture that you used to get when he was your first MySpace friend. So I think it shows that he has a sense of humour about these things, especially as he essentially retired at 35 with $580 <laughs> million before everyone said that MySpace was shit. Yes, he probably has a sense of humour consultant whom he's paying to monitor these accounts for him. Actually, what he seems to do, he has some business interests, like he'll be um, a, an advisor on various tech things. I think he did property for a bit, but... Mainly what he seems to do is go around the world and take photos of exotic locations. So you look at his Instagram feed and you're like, God, he lives the life. But also they do seem to be quite heavily filtered photos. So all of them look like a poster waiting for a unicorn to appear in the foreground. Well, that's the problem with Instagram, though, isn't it? Everyone's Instagram photos look like they live the life. And then you create the impression that everyone is living a better life than they are. And then people possibly get depressed because they think that their real life can't match up to the life they perceive others around them have. Yeah, but our life can't match up to Tom's with his adventures in Icelandic ice caves and stuff like that. That is cool. What about all my pictures of eggs? Do you think there was an opportunity for MySpace to have continued to be MySpace, if you see what I mean. Yes, I think if it had kept up the music angle that it began with, then yes, I think that function would still be quite useful now. So function being what exactly? A directory for every band that exists, whether they are a big band or a little band. Well, like Glenn Miller. Oh, ideally. <laughs> I love that there's a MySpace just for big bands and marching bands. <laughs> it is to take the piss out of it because it, got, it became terrible, but yeah, it was brilliant when you started. It was really it was, social. It was brilliant in 2007 when we were trying to get listeners to this podcast. We went and trawled for teenagers. Yeah. Brilliant. Well, what I didn't know is that MySpace began in order to be different to Friendster because Friendster insisted on you using a real identity. So in a way, Friendster. it was ahead of... over 500 of social networks. It, it was ahead of its time, though, because mm. then Facebook popped up doing that and took off. But we're going to go back in time now to early 2009 <laughs> to episode 87. And I think it's one of the trademark Martin moments. Mm. And I can remember the exact cadence of his tone as he was saying this, even though I forget pretty much everything that's ever been in this podcast. This is the thing that has stuck in my mind for all this time and will remain forever young. I'm looking forward to this. And uh, you can buy episode 87 and all of our first 200 episodes. And our apps, talking of apps. At answermethisstore.com. Martin, what was your first job? Um, I had a job at a company called Diggy Stainless Fasteners, which... Um, <laughs> is that how you used to answer the phone? Yeah, that's exactly how you used to answer the phone. No, no, I want to try to show Right, ring, 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 ring. Hello, Diggy Stainless Fasteners. Oh, hello, I'm interested in some stainless fasteners. Do you know what stainless fasteners... It was, it was a wear... Yes, I love them, I want a hundred. <laughs> tell me, will they stain? And if they stain, how do I get the stains out? <laughs> Listeners, we love it when you call in with your questions and the number to dial is this. 0208123 Or you can Skype answer me this. Hi, Helen and Ollie. It's Jen from Cardiff. Um, my question is about circus music. Um, how come that tune that we all know to be representative of various circus activities came to be known as such? Now, the one I'm on about is the one that goes... You know the one. Uh, I presume through use in the circus. I'm just going out there on a limb. Once it's in, it's in. It's like that church bells question we had yeah. in a recent episode. Once one church is doing it, you don't want to be the only church left out. 
But how did it come to be in the circus, Helen? Well, Ollie, uh, the journey of this piece of music started in 1897 when it was composed by uh, the Czech composer Julius Futschik as a military march known <laughs> yep, known as the entry or entrance of the gladiators. Who I imagine lost that particular war. Clowns are scary, so a lot of people would have run away and fled <laughs> faced mm. with an army of clowns. Yeah, that is hilarious though, isn't it? I mean, you imagine an army entering... I mean, if now, even at the uh, Royal Military Tattoo, even uh, on the basis of doing it for the sake of a performance, not even to enter the battlefield... Laughter would ensue from the audience, would it not, if the, if they came in playing that? Yeah, but maybe you wouldn't necessarily know because it was a bit slower. Uh, so in 1910, uh, the Canadian composer Louis-Philippe Lorando rearranged it and called it Thunder and Blazes and then sold it all across North America to be used in fairgrounds and as a screamer march, which is what they called the kind of walk-in hype music for circuses oh. because military uh, songs were actually favoured for that because they were very rhythmic and you could speed them up. So that's what he did with this to make it much more like rowdy to get people in the mood. And also making elephants dance. It's very patriotic. And I guess as well, you needed instruments that were capable of getting the sound across a loud circus tent. And so violin's not going to cut it, but a brass band would. So maybe there's that similarity with the military as well. What's that instrument called that goes like whoop in the circus Well, a swanny whistle, not the whoop. <laughs> uh, no, that's the other one. It's It's... I can't do it any better than... Whoop. Is that an instrument? Yeah. Sounds like a dog. What's no. It lo- what's it look like? I don't know. That's why I'm asking you. There's the one you, you hold above your head and you turn around and it goes... The rattle. Right. And then there's the... That's which funny. you just did, right? Yeah. And then there's also the... Which I just did, but I don't know. Is that like a honky horn? Yeah. Like an old-fashioned car? The clown comes in, the noise goes off. I don't know how wah, it's caused. Wah. That was the nature of my question. No, it's not... Wah, wah another one anyway point is it's not something that's traditionally in an orchestra isn't it is it well those are more sound effects aren't they yes than soundtrack but you see the difference but again just the arrangement is crucial isn't it if the army came in playing that difficult to take them seriously i mean there must be a lot of things that the military do that uh, would come as a surprise to the casual observer but maybe it's a real bundle of laughs when you're there Well, in a massive tonal shift, here is this question from Henry from Halifax, who says, I moved out of my parents' house this time last year, and since moving, I've got to know my neighbours relatively well, particularly an old couple who live next door but one. Sadly, the husband has been admitted to a hospice as he's suffering from cancer and has a matter of days, weeks at most, to live. Mm. Obviously, when he passes, I'm going to give a sympathy card to his wife. Not a congratulations balloon, then. Mm. But, Ollie, answer me this. Is it inappropriate to do the sensible thing and buy a card in anticipation of his death when I next go shopping? Or should I do the more moral thing and wait until he has died to make a specific visit to the shop? What's morality got to do with it there? Because it's not like your buying the card will make him die. It's bad taste to buy a card for someone that says, sorry, they've died when that person is still alive. Mm. Morality might not be the right word for it, but I can see the issue. I can also see that some people would feel superstitious. If you bought the card and then that day you'd found out that he died, you'd feel pretty bad about it. I mean, you're going to feel bad about it anyway because this guy's going to die. Yeah, uh, you can't buy a card for someone that says with deeper sympathy before they're dead. However, what I would do to make yourself feel better about it, uh, and yet nonetheless actually buy the card before he's dead for your convenience, uh, is buy a selection. A selection of blank mm. cards with no pre-printed message. I have a full selection of cards with messages at home and without. So yep. I've got a big shoebox. What I do is when I see a card that I like, I buy it. Yes, of course. And yeah. it, it might be a get well soon. It might be a congratulations. It might be a sorry he's dead. And I buy them all, stack them up. And then when I need one, I'll have a sympathy card ready to go. Yes. That doesn't feel bad at all because it's been in my cupboard for two years. It wasn't in anticipation of that particular person's death. Indeed, it's not for a specific person. 
the other option is you could write his widow a letter on paper that doesn't have any kind of sympathy message on and i think you can buy that pad of paper before a pad of nice yes paper. a pad of nice paper rarely goes wrong it's a shame in a way isn't it that uh, for someone who's experiencing a long disease and who's say is in a hospice that you don't have the equivalent for like a work leaving card where all mm. the friends can get together and say you know this is what we loved about you yeah this is what we'll miss yeah. Sorry, you're leaving. Sorry, you're leaving. Yeah. yeah. I would love to be able to hear the speeches at my funeral. I don't actually want a funeral, mm. but I would love living to know what people were going to say. I'd just slag you off. Well, you're not speaking at it. <laughs> you don't get any choice. <laughs> yeah, that's the problem. <laughs> Listeners, presumably by this point of the show, you're thinking, I enjoy listening to these people, otherwise you would have stopped by now. So maybe you'd enjoy listening to us on some of our other projects. Yeah, but only when this episode's finished. Yeah, not at the same time. That would be chaos. I know the world we live in now, you can multitask, so you you could be googling the other things we're discussing, lining them up whilst listening to this. Okay, what should people line up if they need more Ollie Mann in their lives? If they need Ollie Mann in their lives, uh, to a greater extent than they already do, there is actually an exciting project coming down the pipe. Ooh. But it's... it's, it's you talking about your son? It's <laughs> He's ready! <laughs> uh, the project, similarly, is uh, connected to an umbilical cord of my brain at the moment, so I can't think right. about it just yet. That's not where the umbilical um, cord is, Ollie. But you can right now download the Guardian's Tech Weekly podcast, which I co-present. Not like this, with the other person but no. on alternate weeks right they can't have you in the same room can they we can't be in the same room god knows what would happen <laughs> why can't we alternate <laughs> <laughs> such a different show yeah in a recent episode of that i went to silicon valley to interview mike krieger who is the co-founder of instagram uh, we had a nice chat and uh, what else have you been up to uh, also uh, i present a show called the media podcast which uh, is probably only of interest to you if you work in the media industry but uh, you should probably listen to it if you do uh, it's a fortnightly discussion show about telly and radio and print and uh, i'm making the illusionist which is about language and at the moment it is weekly and it's short as well it's short so you can pack in all of them in a really bad traffic jam so or if you just want a little espresso burst of helen in yeah. the morning the illusionist.org uh, and martin's got some podcasts as well uh, you should listen to song by song that's the, the uh, is that that's your tom waits one the tom waits How's that one? going yeah good we've had the first season it's dropped uh, that's about his first album closing time we'll be doing the second album very soon uh so tune in for that you don't have to be an expert on tom waits uh that's what you're there for yeah we're your guide what if like me you get tom waits a bit confused in your head with tom petty if you're that stupid about tom waits is there still something to i think by the time you've listened to the podcast covering all 16 albums you'll be okay okay are you then going to do Tom Petty song by song? Uh, yeah, we'll think about it. We'll think about it. I, I was doing another podcast called The Sound of the Ladies, uh, which is the name of, that I produce music under, and there's a new song every month on that. And you also do that show where you pretend to be a serious academic, don't you? What's that one called? Uh, that's called The uh, Global Lab, so that's where I talk about my work, which is uh, in uh, cities, and we interview all kinds of cool people talking about cities. But what we're trying to say is, listeners, that uh, if you like us in this show, there's a pretty good chance you'll enjoy some of our other audio projects, and we would really love it if you check them out, if you haven't already. Here's a question from Jennifer in Cheshire, who says, I've been watching a nature documentary about deep sea submersibles. Would you call that a nature documentary? They're not natural things, no. are they? Not I naturally occurring. see what she's saying, though, because probably, it's probably a show on Discovery 
And what they do on Discovery is they like to mix together those kind of James Cameron type yeah. obsessions, how it's made. Yeah, Terminator with yeah. wildebeest. With wildebeest. So it'll be like, let's find an octopus that only lives at the bottom of the sea, but whilst we're there, let's show you the inside of the submarine that's letting us film it. Yeah. Actually, I'd watch that, so I'm not criticising you, Jennifer. No, I just wonder great. if you'd call it a nature documentary or just documentary. I'll, I'll amend it then. Yeah. I've been watching a documentary about deep sea submersibles well, with nature in it. Sounds like a nature documentary to me, Jennifer. I don't know why you just say so. <laughs> Damn! <laughs> can never please him. Answer me this, Ollie. Yeah. If you're down in a deep sea submersible for nine hours, how do you go to the loo? Through your penis. What if you don't have a penis like women don't? Well, then it is quite difficult. Um, <laughs> telling me. It's a constant <laughs> nightmare being a woman. <laughs> I can't speak for every deep sea submersible, but I've read an article uh, which was an interview with someone who goes down regularly in a deep sea submersible. Is it James Cameron? Uh, no. Who has uh, managed to sublimate his need to do basic bodily functions? No, it was a, it was a zoologist who... who makes a career of being in submersibles and how are their kidneys doing didn't go into that oh but it did say what's the seating arrangement and how does it work seating arrangement um mm. coy he, i didn't really get this but he said maybe it's an american reference maybe americans will understand more he said imagine it's like a stadium bench that you're lying down on mm-hmm. that's what he said it's like mm. and so there's one of you facing one way looking out the binoculars whatever they mm-hmm. are and then the other way there's two people with their back against you facing the other side right. they've got more leg room but they're sitting next to each other. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, that's the, that's the layout apparently. Mm. And so... I can't quite picture it, it sounds like Twister. No, it's hard for me to picture too. Was but there the, no diagram? There wasn't. But basically, oh. three people on top of each other, essentially. And what he was saying when asked the question, how do you go to the bathroom, was, well, you, there is no modesty down there. Um, the other people are facing the other direction technically, yep. but there's only room for one person to stand up at a time. Yeah. So at the point you're standing up, uh, if you're a man, your penis is level with the back of the other people's heads. Yeah. And you're kind of leaning over them. So it is awkward, um, but he said, you know, just get used to it. Uh, and what you do is you take down, and this is where the women question comes in, because obviously they, they can't be seen to discriminate. They have to give facilities to women as well as men. Mm-hmm. They take down what they call an H-E-R-E bottle, a human endurance range extender, <laughs> uh, mm. which basically means piss bottle. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's a red bottle with a long neck. And for women, they get a special attachment so that they can urinate standing upright because there's like no room to squat. Yeah, like a shiwi. Oh. So that's how they do it. So it's a bottle that you definitely don't confuse with your water bottle because it's red. Ideally, no. And you have to do it standing up, whether you're a man or a woman, and you have to do it basically over someone else's head. That's how. What if you get the runs? I know. If you were in the submersible with James Cameron, maybe you'd hold it in because you made it through Titanic without going, and that was like nine hours long too. I think he'd know how to keep a 10-hour journey entertaining. Arid. Yeah, he'd just tell you the plot of his two most recent films. You know when there were the Greenpeace protesters who climbed the Shard? Yeah. I was wondering how they did it, wondering whether they wore adult nappies or something, because when you're climbing the Shard all day, there were not bathroom facilities. No. Well, there are on every floor. I don't think they were allowed in. Right. I think that was part of the exercise. Sure, it wasn't organised with the corporate entity behind the Shard. And also, was the Shard open then? I'm not sure whether it was finished. No, I don't think it It still Um, looks unfinished, but (laughs) but it is open That was Renzo Piano's plan. Yeah. And being catheterised presumably would be pretty difficult if you're climbing. I think if you're a Greenpeace campaigner, you're someone who's pissed your pants a lot in your life. Buy an answer me this satchel or an answer me this apron. I still got too much money. I still got too much money. Buy an answer me this mug or an answer me this yellow t-shirt. I do not like yellow. I don't look good in yellow. They're also available in red and white and black. Where can I get these things from? Where can I get these things from? From cafepress.com/answermethis. Duty was cripplingly expensive, but no matter, it was still worth it. 
Here's a question from Bjorn from Stockholm, who says, A friend of mine is coming to Stockholm in a few weeks and is staying at my place for one night. She's not coming to visit me in particular, but needed a place to stay. He says, uh, we get along very well. She once let me her yeah, apartment. Yeah. Cut to the uh, that chase. She wasn't living in at the time when I needed a place to stay yeah. in her town. Uh, however, we are not really very close friends and we rarely see each other. Sure. I live in a flat without a spare bedroom. Mm-hmm. I share the flat with a friend. The living room is actually his room. Oh. So there is no couch that I can offer. Ah. Okay, so he lives in a one-bedroom flat. Right, with He a, has someone with a living in the living yep. room. Right. I do have a spare mattress, though. Right. And there is room for it on the floor of my bedroom. However, I also have a really wide bed, 180 centimetres. Oh, it's so big. Uh, <laughs> which is obviously... Much more comfortable. Bum, ba, ba, da. Yeah. <laughs> I've been thinking about you. Uh, seeing that the bed is so large, continues Bjorn, <laughs> justifying his own terrible <laughs> thoughts, uh, we could easily both sleep in it without even touching. Were it not for my two metre long penis. <laughs> <laughs> so, Helen, answer me this. Should I give her the choice to either sleep in my bed or on the mattress. Yes. Or will that come across as if I'm trying to pull something off? No, I think it will come across as you giving her the choice. Unless right. you do it in a really sleazy way. Right? Well, would you like the mattress on the floor or would you prefer something more comfortable in my bed? <laughs> like, well, if you present them as equal options, yeah. determined by her preference for comfort or solitude. He says, uh, if she ends up sleeping on the mattress in the same room as me while I occupy my ridiculously oversized bed... I'll feel a bit selfish. Well, you could say, you have the bed and I'll take the floor. Yeah, that, that to me is the obvious thing. So he says, Helen, answer me this. How do I give her this choice without making it awfully awkward? I don't really see the problem at the moment with just saying to her that these are the two options. Which does she prefer? Well, I think the problem is his motivation. Helen, I see, OK. Because he finishes the email. Uh -huh. He signs off uh, in a way that directs this whole thing in a particularly nefarious uh, place. Is this like an M. Night Shyamalan twist? <laughs> Make you reinterpret the uh, preceding material? He says in a way that I see as peculiarly Swedish. A detail that might be relevant is that she has a partner. Oh. But... Their relationship seems to be fairly open, and I know that she's pretty liberal about these things in general. What ah, things in what are you talking about, Mattresses. Beyond? Yeah. Floor, bed. She doesn't mind. It's a mattress, it right? Sounds a bit like you think she's approached you to stay in your flat because there might be something going on there. And, and it, I can't judge whether that's true or not. It also sounds to me that he is interested in her being a bit liberal in his direction yeah. and therefore doesn't want to discount it by suggesting that they sleep in separate beds because otherwise I don't see that this is a problem. So how does he achieve his objective of being just sleazy enough that he's making that invitation, but not so sleazy that she feels obliged or pressured? Sorry, I don't have a spare mattress. <laughs> so, <laughs> so you can either sleep on my bare, cold, hard floor, or you could come into the comfy bed. Mm. I think you can put the mattress in your room. If she's interested, she'll make her way over to the bed. Okay. Yes, I think that's probably right. Although, then you've got to make it obvious that you'd be at least amenable to that. And how do you do that without seeming like you're overstepping the line of being a friend? Well, Sleep naked? I'm just a bit hot tonight. That's That could go wrong. You've got to be a bit careful. You've got to be very so careful. This is, you know, she's not on her own turf here. And no, she's in a, exactly. At a, at an acquaintance's house. Yeah, no, not... okay, so he sleeps on the mattress on the floor. She gets the double bed. He doesn't offer it as a choice. He says, you're my guest. And she goes, I feel bad, Bjorn. And yeah, I've, exactly. I've come to stay. You're down on the floor. But then it, that is up to her to then right. invite him. And then she can invite him. Okay. Yeah. 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 Problem solved. We don't want to help Bjorn to be predatory. No. 
but we want to help him get his end away since he's a listener to the show if that's on the cards if his interest hadn't crept in in the final paragraph of this email i might have thought that there could just be the problem that sometimes it's awkward sharing a room with a friend Mm. when i was living in a shared house a school friend of mine uh, said he wanted to come and stay and our horrible housemate had already purloined the living room even though she had two rooms for her friend that was coming to stay mm-hmm. so my friend had to sleep on my floor and he woke up in the night screaming 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 what did you do to him he did warn us that that was going to happen yeah he was like oh, I may make some noises in the night and we were like oh, okay and then we woke up to him going ah, ah, ah. <laughs> uh, so I wouldn't necessarily recommend sharing a room with a friend if you do not have these intentions towards her just in case she wakes you up screaming okay <laughs> yeah good tip i guess right well that brings us to the end of this episode of answer me this good questions i think this week listeners well yeah, done not a bad mix yeah uh to uh create a similarly diverse list of questions for next episode we need you to send us emails and also phone calls and skypes yes absolutely all of our contact details are on our website answermethispodcast.com where you can also find links to follow us on Twitter and Facebook Uh, and if you dig a little deeper you can find links to all the podcasts we were talking about earlier Uh, and you can find blogs that Helen's written if your question has not ended up on the podcast there is a chance that it has ended up in a written form on our website might be there so we'll all meet back here in two weeks time right? okay yeah deal fine put it it in the Google calendar see you then bye bye